Welcome back to the Mail-In Podcast. A beautiful, well, it's a Wednesday afternoon in Austin, Texas. If you're hearing this, though, it's Thursday morning. Maybe it's Thursday afternoon where you are. I don't know. We're on the Mail-In Podcast. I am joined by special guest today from the great Midwest, KJ Ellis in the building. Hello, KJ. How are you? Brett, thank you for having me. I am fantastic on a wonderful 80-degree day. Woo! Real nice. I bet you the humidity is just super manageable, too. <laughs> it's not bad. We're looking at dew point around 60, oh, humidity around 50, God. so it's a chill day. We won't have it's one of those. absolutely miserable here. For two months. I am, however, <sighs> going to New York this weekend and very excited. Already checked the dew points out. Low 60s max. That's, that's weather it. talk. Love it. Uh, KJ, how, how's things? You're, you haven't been on the mail in, in a minute. I believe it's, yeah, all, it's it, been a while. It's, it it's, has. It's been at least since probably January or February, if I, if I had it this year at all. But uh, as I said then, and every time I've been on, it's absolutely my favorite show, my show of choice, uh, even including my own here on the Wash Media Network. Um, you do a fantastic job with it. Everything... Uh, that you've touched since taking over the helm has been gold. So really, well, really uh, love what you're doing. That is far too much praise, and I very much appreciate it. Um, but thank you very much. We're excited excited to have you. I know whenever KJ comes on, everybody's like, I love the wisdom that KJ drops and the generally um, the more experience that you have compared to a guy like me um, in, in far, more, far more categories, such as marriage, children, um, college athletes, <laughs> etc. Um, but somebody did, there's a question. I, I won't spoil it. That involves college athletics, which I'm very excited about. Uh, KJ, we are the mailing podcast. Please tell a friend about the pod, uh, send a clip shout to cool Adam. Who's ripping clips, um, and doing a great job with it. So we have clips going, we have reels going, subscribe on iTunes, please follow on Spotify, hit the hotline number to leave a voicemail, 888 362-M-A-I-L. That's 888-362-6245. Or you can write it in at the link in the Twitter bio at Mailin Podcast or at the bottom of this episode. By the way, KJ, before we get started, new washed media update. There is a brand new store. Brand spanking new. New vendor, new merch, new quality. Stuff is just generally nicer. We have awesome new hats. We have awesome new shirts. And it's only the beginning, KJ. I promise you, it's only the beginning because crew neck season's coming up, sweater season, maybe it's football season. You put some queso down, you put some boneless wings mm. down like myself, and you need, a, you, know, you need a sweater here and there. Those are coming, along with Christmas sweaters, along with fall sweaters. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff coming, but new stores launched, so get prepared for more down the line, more to be excited about. Um, but what did you think when you took a look uh, at the store the first time today? I've been silent uh, to this point only because I was trying to, you know, tell myself these people won't hear this until tomorrow. Take your time. But no, I'm actively four to five items deep in my right now in the shop. Uh, your boy's picking up a podcast week shirt, uh, multiple iterations of Dippy. Uh, and if you haven't seen the latest Wash Athletic Club t-shirt, I implore you to go check that out. It's very well uh, done. So, so your, your boy's cleaning up right now. Very well done. Um, that's uh, the podcast we shared is a Randy joint, I believe. So he's very excited about the progress of that. 
switch that quantity back to zero. Oh. I will, uh, I'll mix it up. Maybe I'll do superheroes unless you're going to tell me Randy did that too. <laughs> no, that's a Ricky joint. Shouts to Ricky. Um, who's done a lot of stuff for us and, and always, always, always looks absolutely fantastic. I believe Dippy is a Ricky joint as well. It is. He, he absolutely is. Ricky Prosper always comes through in a clutch. He also did the meat smokers only logo. Wow. Uh, so shouts to that. Ricky's dad is old paws on everything. He does a great job. Um, that's Ricky's story, KJ. For those who might be new to this podcast, I do want to hear more about your story. So I think you've done this before on this pod, but new listeners, new people, audience yeah. shuffles in and out. How, of course. What, is, what is your story and how, how did you end up here um, co-hosting this show today? So there was a job fair. I think it was an online-only job fair. Uh, <laughs> and I was just shopping my resume around. I was like, hey, Mendoza line or just above Mendoza line, uh, podcaster really looking for a new network. Now I, I'm a kid. Um, I started doing podcasting back in 2016. Uh, I'm from the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, Dallas is home to a very popular sports, uh, radio station of which I had very little to do with that at all, with the exception of like selling ads on occasion for them. Um, but through my, you know, proximity to that, I'm close with other people in the podcast world in that area. Uh, we put together a network of our own um, called Blowout Podcast Network, uh, which is really not in existence. So it's not like I'm, you know, pushing uh, competitors or anything like that. Uh, with some of the funniest, you know, best friends that I have, and they've gone on to do great things. You know, one hosts like a midday radio show, another's like directing all media decisions for a major sports team and all kind of other great things. Uh, I, on the other hand, continued by nine to five and was like, Hey, I kind of like this podcasting bit. Uh, you know, let's, let's see if I can you know, stretch my legs a little bit, uh, through that, uh, network. David was, a uh, is, is, and I am as well a listener of one of the other podcasts he and I connected. And when the talk of doing a sports podcast came up, I was absolutely terrified and intimidated of the thought of having to do something, uh, that people are so passionate about when it comes to sports. I'd done a history podcast, a nostalgia podcast, general pop culture podcast. But when it comes to sports, people have nonsensical, you know, passions that just piss people off regardless of what you say. Um, and as somebody with a very poor memory, sometimes, uh, I also like to fuck up facts uh, when it comes to <laughs> some historical or just very recent basic information for sports. So, uh, very fortunate for me that David, Dylan, and I, and Micah originally uh, were able to connect and do Too Much Dip now three years ago. So check us out tomorrow night Ooh. for our uh, first live stream, youtube.com slash Too Much Dip Podcast. The live that might not even back. be the URL. Randy, yes. says, Randy says no. It is not the URL. Not at all. Not yet. Not yet. TMD anyway. Podcast. <laughs> but Actually, uh, I do know. I can pull it up. I know what it is. It is. <laughs> YouTube.com slash too much dip. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, that's, that's KJ. That's fantastic. I'm excited to have you here. The second question before we get started is how many near death experiences do you in fact have? Dave Ruff was um, prepping me for this podcast and he said, well, it was the time where he drank bleach. There was the time where he almost fell out of an apartment window. Uh, mm -hmm. generally the football situation. So how many, how, what's the, what's the tally at? 
I'm going to say no fewer than five. Uh, I think that I've told the story about spring break, um, maybe on a circling back, uh, climbing over a balcony rail and trying to shimmy from one room, four rooms down oh on the ninth gosh. floor of the Sheraton <gasps> at uh, South Padre Island. So you can Google my Google maps that it's not a pretty fall uh, if I were to let go. So oh I won't get into God. that one, but a story I probably haven't told um, high school. I don't know if it was my junior or senior year. You're an idiot, just like anybody else. Uh, when you're 16, 15, whatever, for some unknown reason, a buddy of mine had a rusty engine block in the bed of his truck. Uh, we were coming back from lunch and for some reason he drug it out, picked it up by the sides of it and chest pushed it, you know, or shot, put it basically from his chest. It went about three feet. So I'm like, well, I can do better than that. And I go and squat over it and heave it up, throw it. And it goes four or five feet. Damn proud of myself. Uh, as I was wanting to do, I was probably wearing like some camo cargo shorts or something real badass in 2002. Um, I look down and I have to this day about a six inch uh, scar very near my femoral artery oh my up the God. inside of my thigh where that engine block had just completely tore a hole in my leg oh. um, about a quarter of an inch deep, maybe a little bit less. Uh, so concerns of not only tetanus, but also blood loss were immediate. Holy <laughs> and like cow. the absolute idiot that I am, uh, instead of, I don't know, going to the nurse or even the athletic trainer's office, I was dating a girl who was uh, in HOSA. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that student club. Uh, uh, it's like uh, future health care workers of America type thing. Mm -hmm. Like the people who want to go on to do pre-med or be a nurse. Like it, she wasn't a doctor. She was a high school kid in a <laughs> club. And like, not only that, but they probably met like weekly. So like an idiot, I go to that classroom being like, Oh, doctor, whatever her name was, the person who ran the class was like a retired nurse. Uh, I'm bleeding and I've got a dirty beach towel wrapped around my leg. What do I do? <laughs> She's like, get the fuck out of here. Oh my God. <laughs> Go to the nurse's office. But she did help me like apply some gauze to make sure I did get to like the athletic trainer's office. Um, and I didn't have to go like to the hospital. But yeah, that's probably the one I am uh, the least proud of. I, you learn something new on this podcast every time. I'm glad you made it though, KJ. You know, the thing that you should learn is, you know, don't stand over the engine block before you pick it up. Yes. Use your legs and not mm -hmm. your back, but, uh, positioning is key. Positioning is key. Um, goodness. I don't even know how to, I, I was trying to look for a transition. <laughs> I don't have one. So we're just going to get into the questions if that's okay. That works for me. <laughs> hey, mail -in crew. I'm looking for advice on the best hangover cure. I'm in my early 30s with two kiddos, and I want to be able to enjoy a bottle or two of wine with my husband on a Friday night after a long work week, but still be a productive and fun parent for my kids come Saturday morning. Any advice would be great, as I want to be able to unwind with a few drinks without losing a day of my weekend and feeling like crap. Thank you. So, KJ, I thought this one was unique because I, uh, a childless, unmarried person, 
can can sort of sit on my couch like a bag of uh, you know what you insert noun here and just kind of veg the hangover away. That doesn't exist anymore when you have children, let alone small children. So, question right. to you being, how do you get banged up and still function like an adult the next day? Well, I did think that's what she was alluding to, having a nice little two-bottle Friday uh, oh, yeah. with, the hu- with the hubby. Um, I, I've got to say, as uh, Brett is now the leader of the No Shug Alliance, NSA, if you will, uh, I feel like sugar intake is so critical to hangovers. Like, not even is it the silent killer or any of those things, which, yeah, sure, I get it, whatever. But, like, any hangover I've ever had has always been uh, in association with the basics of not drinking enough water or way too much sugar involved in the process at mm-hmm. all. Now, I've learned the holiness that is liquid IV, and I stand by it um, multiple times. I'll be on the way you know, to an event. You know, I've texted David multiple times uh, on the way to Montana. I realized I forgot to pack it. Um, our Christmas party last year. realized I forgot <laughs> to pack it. I'm like, hey, can you bring a couple liquid IVs? And I'll hit one of those like as the night is winding down. And then you hit one in the morning, maybe a little ibuprofen, and you're good to go. Um, that's, that's my go-to. But I would probably argue you might have more uh, recent experience with how to dodge the hangover, or at least what's worked to get you out of that hole. This is going to sound really dumb. I think I can mentally beat hangovers. I think hangovers are a mindset more than anything. So if I wake up and feel, okay. feel like shit, I just I, I, I like get in the shower and tell myself, no, you don't. It's, I, I, I placebo myself into feeling fine. And it works, KJ. I don't, I can't explain it. I just, I mentally, I, I, I don't let myself hang in bed. I don't let myself like veg or feel like crap. I just, I just mentally defeat hangovers. Now, the problem with that is that takes away like the, the really bad symptoms, like the headache and the vomit and the feeling like shit. But I have this new thing called anxiety that started when I was about 26, 27. So like the morning after drinking, I feel, I, you know, I don't feel great. I try to mentally beat it. But the night of, like the night of that hangover, six o'clock rolls around, usually on a Sunday or a Saturday, you know, if you're not going back out, hair of the dog in it. Um, I get really bad hangover anxiety. It could be anything. It could be work. It could be like, is my, is my lease coming up too soon? And I'm afraid of my rental price increase. It could be, and then my heart starts pounding. Like every time I drink too much now, every single time I get drunk, I have a pounding heart and anxiety like like 6 PM the next day. So those are the only symptoms that manifest. Otherwise I mentally defeat them in the morning. I didn't intend to laugh as a reflexive reaction to uh, anxiety as a term. I was just imagining like what the intro to the straight to Paramount plus like digital short television show titled anxiety, like what that's going to sound like, this indoor, like what the interest looks like. Exactly. So I, I feel like we're both just espousing like, this is how people then turn to, you know, CBD, THC, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Uh, whether it's to just not have to deal with the hangover at all, uh, or if it's to help ease some of that uh, anxiety on the back end of the experience. 
it, I've always said it's not my that's not my bag, so to speak. But uh, I respect those who've been able to balance things out in that manner. I don't know if there's a, like at this point there would be a medically um, like a, a literal medical option as far as hangovers go. I think the only sort of FDA approved that can cure a hangover is time. If I, if I'm right. correct, like it, it's, it's all about your liver breaking down alcohol. It really, like you can sort of mask symptoms, which liquid IV does a great job. Ibuprofen or, you know, that kind of route also works. My buddy swears by jumping in the ocean uh, as a as a okay. hangover cure, <laughs> generally I think like shocking your body into something different, whether it's a, a cold plunge or a sauna or uh, a hit workout in the morning that you throw your guts out, like like that that kind of stuff is always an option for hangovers. As far as like a, a mother with two children, I I think you just kind of like you suck it up's the wrong word, but you just yeah you're hungover and. I don't have any. I, I don't think there's any tips, be, unless uh, except for time. And I feel like hangovers get worse as you get older, which is why the bottle, the two bottles yeah. of wine on Friday becomes one bottle of wine, and then you're <laughs> asleep by nine forty-five. I don't think you have to tap out entirely. Now, I can't say that I've got the magic to this. I've got two children. One is two. One is four months old. So, like, I know this exact scenario quite well, <laughs> uh, and it's incredibly impactful on like the amount of times that I uh, consume alcohol, maybe not on the amount when I do, but still, um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that you've got tiger's blood and you can just blink and you don't have a hangover anymore. Mm -hmm. It may be not that simple, but I, I would say that if I have two children, the worst thing that I could do the next day is to try to turn it into a lazy Disney plus day. And the best thing I probably could do is say, we're getting up, we're going out, not necessarily just to go get food, but like we're actively going somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's a 9 a.m. park day. Uh, and getting up and forcing yourself to get over that first hurdle, yeah, you might end up uh, partaking in their afternoon nap with them. But I also imagine you're not going to feel guilty if uh, uh, they actually took a Saturday nap. So, you know, plan your day a little bit earlier than you think you would if you want to try to make Friday night uh, fun happen. If you want to make Saturday morning fun happen, or any morning for that matter, you got to throw in some athletic greens in your routine, KJ. Professional. I am all about AG1. I started taking it. They sent us a bunch of packages. It was like, oh, cool. Supplements. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my smoothie grind lately um, and have been for a long time. But I never knew how much I was missing out on by just doing kale and bananas and et cetera. Athletic Greens is giving me 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in my smoothie, along with said fruits, of, the, of which many are frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest thing for me with AG1, uh, as I too am a big fan, uh, not only do I love the product, I also love the like metal tin package that they sent for oh. their uh, bulk scooping product. Very, uh, you uh, just feel kind of refined. Sort of an <laughs> ASMR kind of like situation too going on. So what is the stuff? Like I said, but, uh, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, etc. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health 
your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focused, and aging. All of the things. Every morning, in a little, uh, you know, make the smoothie, throw it in the, in the cup, bada bing, bada boom. Easy as that. And you feel good. It's lifestyle friendly. Keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, all good. Uh, and tons of people, uh, they take some kind of multivitamin, right? It's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body can actually absorb. You ever hear the, the, uh, the old adage, KJ, about taking a bunch of vitamins? Just really expensive pee. Not with AG1. Not with athletic greens. Your body can actually absorb this stuff. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate in daily nutritional insurance. How about a voicemail, KJ? All right. So I'm a pretty level-headed guy, but um, accident on I-35, they've got lanes shut down. And some fucking douche, I mean multiple douchebags, are speeding to the front of what is clearly a line to merge into the right lane. And some fucking asshole right behind me speeds up to the front of the line and then causes another fucking accident by pulling out in front of someone who clearly did not give him enough room to pull in due to his dickhead behaviors. And like I said, I'm a pretty level-headed guy, but I want to get out of my car and fucking strangle that guy right now. So my question is, what are the most stranglable road offenses? Thank you, guys. Bye. I should have issued a, uh, I should have issued a, a strong language warning, but there is a part two, KJ. Yeah, I just called about strangleable driving offenses, and it just fucking happened again. <laughs> no accident, but this time it's a fucking commercial truck driver. A commercially licensed driver. What the fuck is wrong with people in Austin? You could go many ways with that question. But, KJ, most strangleable driving offenses. Are you much of a road rage kind of guy? Uh... On a scale of one to ten, I'd probably put myself at about a five and a half. Like okay. I'm not uh, the worst. I certainly will have a verbal reaction. Uh, nothing to the degree where you know I'll name my favorite races or anything like that. <laughs> but maybe I, you know, you'll get a lot of what the f's are you doing? A lot of open hand roast, uh, uh, roast hands by me. I'm also definitely the person that will react to you. If, if I see you in my rear view mirror gesturing that I'm doing something that's pissing you off, then you'll get a lot of the, what do you, what do you want me to do, buddy? You're like the, uh, uh the, 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 the meme where the cat thing is sitting on the chair like this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll look dead in the mirror as if they can see through like over the car seats into the mirror, uh, or, or my silhouette. Um, just be like, Hey man, I'm trying to play baby shark for the sixth time and, <laughs> you know, navigate a roundabout, calm down, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say stranglable driving offenses for me would be 
being on I-35 in Austin at a time in which other cars would be on that same highway. That's your loss, buddy. You should know better. <laughs> KJ is victim shaming here. Let the record I'm, show. <laughs> Brett and I have lived in the same exact apartment complex at two different it's times, true. but in the same exact apartment complex in South Austin, which is only relevant to say we probably both know better than to try to go to the north or go on I-35 at any point in time. That was, what, one exit away from that apartment complex? Mm -hmm. Like, the next one over would have been 35 north. I'd say in about 15 months, I probably hopped on 35 half a dozen times. Yeah. So, you're, you're kind of getting what you're asking for. Uh, by putting yourself on that highway. That does remind me of our old apartment complex. It has one of those parking garages that is a uh, a rectangle, basically, right, or, or a, a loop mm -hmm. where you you descend by sort of spiraling down. Um, and people love to go about forty six in there and whip around corners. <laughs> and it is a miracle that my Grand Cherokee escaped unscathed from that parking garage because. Man, did people love to just fly down that with absolutely zero regard. I, I, I went dad mode on people. I would beep and honk and, and be like, what, and I do the, what are you doing? I do the, I do the white fluffy thing on the, on the stool. I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's one. But the other ones that, yeah. that really grind my gears, I have two specific. Okay. One is I'm sure what this guy was doing where they are trying to cut in as close to the exit as possible. Uh, especially in traffic, right? So the car is, is actively scooting by people on one side of the road, moving fast and waiting for an opening to happen, knowing that somebody will be nice enough to let them in. And they're saying, they're, they're basically flipping you off and saying, I am better than you. My time is more important than your time yeah. while you are behaving and the rules of the road and not trying to actively cut in front of people, whether it's trying to get on a highway or off a highway that and while on the highway that is one of those things that i've i've tweeted about it before there's a route there's a specific route seven connecting 787 and 87 in upstate new york that you go between to basically get to saratoga and at one point i remember this very specifically all of the cars that were on route seven with me were like no 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 Nobody's getting in. It was it was the wall. It was nobody was getting beyond the wall, and you could see every car speeds up a little bit and, and just tries to tries to kind of mirror each other's bumper because we were it, nobody. It was unspoken communication of the highest degree, and it was fantastic. We did not let any any wildlings through. KJ, number two, <laughs> number two. When you're at a traffic light, I and this could solve traffic in general. There's a very good YouTube video on this. I forget who it's. I think it's like CD, CDC, not, not the CDC in Atlanta, CD something. If everybody accelerated at the same time a light turns green, you would get like 50% more cars through the light. Or if everybody, okay. if everybody broke at the same time or accelerated off a brake at the same time, you would create no traffic bottlenecks and that's sort of this argument for driverless cars and automated cars is is why traffic would go so much so so down is because you can you can smartly accelerate and brake in time with cars in front of and behind you 
which is is usually uh, I don't I want to throw a statistic, but ninety five percent of the time is the only reason traffic exists is because one break leads to a little bit more of a break, and, and yeah, and then you and then you snake the snake snakes back, and maybe there's no accident even to speak of. It's just one break leads to an, a, a sort of a waterfall effect. So if people were freaking smart enough, and I've tr- I've been trying to put this in practice in my own driving career, KJ, where when a light turns green, I will immediately start going. I will immediately try to unbottleneck behind me because I want to, uh, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world, KJ. And I think people think I'm being an asshole by getting up on their ass. I'm just trying to accelerate the human race. I, well, I feel like uh, you're trying to be the bone that's going to get teed. Um, (laughs) That doesn't make sense, but that's my number one concern with like accelerating right at the green light as if me and Dominic Toretto are trying to, you know, make the train. But, uh, I agree that there's gotta be some sort of, you know, symbiotic nature to like how we're all driving. And it's not even a generational thing. It's definitely a technology thing. Um, but the biggest benefit sometimes to having that accordion is if, you're in a position where you've got to merge onto a highway during traffic or merge into a spot, you know, when things are backed up for any reason. Mm-hmm. I do find uh, some some joy in being correct and picking my, like, that person's going to fuck up the rotation here. I know that if I, like, time my, like, your merge pull up in, in, in my merge right there. Cause I, I don't like to be the lurker. I don't do the whole cut everybody off and like slowly wait on somebody to say, okay. And you know, I'm like, okay, if I get on and I commit to uh, getting on the highway, make it happen. You, I'm not going to be an ass and cut somebody off, but I know that I can look over and be like, okay, uh, that Dodge Caravan's definitely not stepping on the gas immediately. You see the, uh, you see the Texas State Cayo sticker, and you know she's on her phone. So you know that when somebody accelerates in front of her, she is not going to hit the accelerator. And you're like, that's my right. spot. I do that with, like, uh, tractor trailers. I know their accelerations, or, or a, a work vehicle of sorts. I know their acceleration yes. is substandard. So I, I, I picked that spot. The other t- thing there is the zipper technique. Um, mm-hmm. One and one. One and one, one. one. Yep. Easy. Easy. That can be implemented tomorrow. The zipper technique. I don't know if uh, my my last traffic thought will be. Uh, so I moved from Dallas to Madison, Wisconsin, back in April. I want to say maybe May. And one of the biggest surprises to this point is that they are very pro roundabout here. Oh yeah. Very pro roundabout. I, I don't like know that's... if this is a winter weather, winter climate thing. I. I've traveled through the Midwest for years and just never paid attention to it that closely. Um, but it took a few days to like adjust to that. But I can't tell you how many times, like just mindlessly, I'm just like, all right, well, nobody to my left, let's keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And it works. It's, you know, it's great. None of the stopping and starting, but you do have to make sure you're all, you're looking left and you, you have to both lanes. <laughs> That's every, it feels like new road construction products or projects, I guess is the word. Uh, they are leaning heavily on roundabouts. Not so yeah. much in Texas. Even some highways. Oh, yeah. 
really interesting stuff. Um, last thing before we move on, this is not traffic related, it's sort of traffic related. Maybe, you know what? We'll save it for another podcast. It's, it, it involves the boarding process of planes. Open two boarding Yeah, I'll doors. save that. Uh, I'll, I'll save that for my uh, shower thoughts about that. Perfect. Since you're Mr. Traveling Man. Hey, Brett and KJ. Great to have you as a guest on the pod this week. I, I assume that's you, KJ. Uh, perfect timing because I'm about to have my second kid. There's a lot of talk about what to do before you have the first, and I feel like I've handled that pretty well. But for number two, it's kind of like, hey, you're on your own. Any tips or unexpected things you've found that are different from round one? Thank you. Um, first off, allow me to be the first to uh, say congratulations. Um, not only on baby number two, but feeling uh, settled and confident in your uh, parenthood of the first. That is an accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, I would say I definitely went through the same feeling. Um, we kept some of the same baby books around and, and we utilized a, uh, you know, non-spawn, but a parenting course when it came to like sleep training and um, feeding schedules and things like that called Moms on Call. It's a couple like pediatric nurses out of Georgia who put together like their own, you know, here's our guidebook to raising a kid. And as far as like the whole cliche of they don't make an instruction booklet for kids, like this is as close as you'll ever get. And it was tremendous. <laughs> There's no PDF uh, out there. You know, exactly. And there is now, I guess I would say, uh, having, a, our, our son in July, 2020, you know, prime Pandy, uh, the whole concept of it takes a village. Like we didn't have that luxury. So we had to rely on those resources. And when we had our daughter this April, um, it was very strange going, you know, there's some books like uh, what to expect when you're having another, like there mm. are some things out there, but a lot of them are like all structured around like preparing your current child for having a second child. Sure. And not a lot of them are preparing yourself mentally for like, you know, you're no, you're no longer working in shifts. You're always on. Um, everyone's you're 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 not worried about like keeping score and who does what anymore it's just like <laughs> all right we're going to battle we've got you know uh, you're clocking in you're getting the kids and it's it's time to go to work uh basically every single night from about 4 30 to 6 or 7 30 and it's tremendous but with the first kid it's like okay you know this partner's watching the baby i can get this done okay uh i'm watching the baby they're getting a workout in like you're you're giving each other breaks you don't have that luxury anymore you've got to like just naturally work as a team so i would say the the biggest thing for number two is have your teamwork concept you know worked out if you're better working on separate projects separately plan out your you know care schedule that way if you work better together on all things you know uh, keep that in mind when you're trying to sort out like who's getting uh, kids ready slash who's getting food ready. Those kind of things. That's what was biggest for me and my wife. And I think we, we realized very early on that like we're both pretty type a in, in a lot of ways. So we get so much more done. If, uh, you know, I'm knocking out this task, she's knocking out that task. Uh, you know, we'll meet at the finish line. Yeah. And, and as a man with absolutely zero experience in this topic. Let me, let me try to provide a little optimism and please tell me if I'm wrong. You have like with number two, I feel like you have a little tape to study, right? You have some, you have some game tape. You have 
like maybe you bought 11 things for baby number one yeah. and you used like four of them consistently and definitely could have saved on the, the other seven. And maybe you had things you didn't, you think you need that you're like, oh, I got to get this round too. I feel like you, you're more prepared from like a supplies standpoint as well. Like I know this Definitely. works. I know this baby monitor. I know this time feeding kind of thing. I know that if his or her cough sounds like this, I don't need to take them to the ER. It's just kind of like that's what babies do. You you learn mm -hmm. screams and and cries and stuff like that. So I feel like there's some degree of, hey, I'm watching film on this, and I kind of I kind of know the the ins and outs here. Absolutely, and I, I would say the only the strange thing about that is you're absolutely correct when it comes to like the what do i need to get through this from a supply standpoint strangely enough it is like you know if we want to use the tape analogy you're recording over the same tape the second time around so like there's so much shit that you absolutely like your brain just forgot because you were in battle mode for the first like 18 weeks like Shell swaddling shot. and how to hold a bottle for you know early 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 ages like it's tremendous having like google photos or you know even whatever you use for your photo storage but like being able to scroll back in your photo album to the same months for child number two because it's very hard to be like okay what am i like are they supposed to be sitting up by now and you're not concerned but you're like wait where are we where are we at uh, how far along are we in this process you go back and look at it and like Oh, this kid who's literally screaming and standing up peeing on my counter right now. Oh, he also <laughs> couldn't hold his own head up at you know this age. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's weird how, how much you also forget when it comes to, like the biological stuff. Oh my gosh. The holding, the holding the head. I was, we had it drilled into us in home ec class in eighth grade that if you let the head drop an inch, that poor thing is, <laughs> is developmentally stunted for the rest of its life. It was like, if you let the head drop, you're toast. Everything's, everything's over at that point. I've, I've since learned that that doesn't exactly work like that, but, no, but still keep, keep the head support. Um, I feel like a big part of, of having a child, whether it's your first, second, uh, or, or more is also routine and getting in, getting in a routine and, and having that routine. And part of that routine is, is dinner a lot of the time, right? Something that you absolutely. can you can absolutely help yourself, help your significant other uh, do is sort of by having an idea of what you're going to have for dinner that week, planning ahead. And Green Chef is where that is an absolute team player in the in the relationship of of having a kid and, and working together in the teamwork. Because Green Chef makes life easier. It also makes your life healthier. To be honest with you. And that's where I got my start in a health journey is with Green Chef. It's a certified meal kit company. They make eating well easy with plans to eat, uh, with plans to fit, excuse me, every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Time-saving recipes packed with fresh produce and vibrant flavors give you more opportunities to get outside and make the most of sunny days before summer comes to an end, KJ. Fast and fit meals under 700 calories and ready in 25 minutes or less. Green Chef's pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices 
get you more chef curated flavor in less time. The thing I like about it the most, it doesn't, it's not pre, it's not pre-made. It's not just a heat and okay. eat. It is ingredients. Like you get a paper bag full of the ingredients for that meal and you get a recipe and then you're on your own. The portions are great. The, uh, some of the stuff is pre, <clears throat> like pre-packaged. Like if you need a tablespoon of Tex-Mex sauce, right? It comes in a little packet or uh, uh, sour cream. So you don't have to go get a gallon of sour cream and use a spoonful. It has a little packet for you. It turns cooking into something fun and it turns it into a learning activity. And at the same time, you're just eating healthier because the meals are, are designed that way. So I, I learned that I love cooking with tomatoes and love cooking with onions and peppers and uh, scallions and, and I love almond tortillas and, and that kind of stuff because of uh, Green Chef, literally because of Green Chef. And so it's, it, it's improved my diet, it's improved my routine, uh, and it's improved my ability in the kitchen. And now I love doing stuff like that where I, I used to be uh, a big time takeout guy. Okay. So Green Chef, like I said, Make life easier, make life healthier, uh, and find stuff out about yourself that you didn't know before. Hey, I love couscous. Wouldn't have said that a bunch of, you know, six months ago. I love brown rice. Wouldn't have said that either. Green Chef is the way to go if you're looking to get more organized, healthier, and better in the kitchen. Go to greenchef.com slash mail135. And use code MAIL135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Again, greenchef.com slash M-A-I-L-135 and use code MAIL135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well, KJ. Let's do, I love it. Let's do the next one. Uh, hey, guys. First off, I want to thank you guys for the advice of my housewarming last fall. It was a hit. I ended up cooking burgers instead of doing small plates. Anyway, my new question is, is it wrong to ask about being excluded from the wedding party? He is the first of mm. our friend group to have a wedding, so I don't know the etiquette around weddings. Someone who I thought was one of my best friends uh, is getting married next year. He handed out his invitations for groomsmen this past July. I surprisingly did not receive one. Even the best man was shocked I didn't get one. Now, to preface, in June, our friend group called him out on some poor behavior he was giving to his fiance on a night out after drinking during the Stanley Cup final. I was more vocal than the rest, and I can see that this played a part in this decision. We didn't chat again until August, but I was just at his housewarming this past weekend. I understand it's his day, and it's his choice on who he wants next to him, so I respect the decision but it feels like there's something more that I'm missing in regards to our friendship. Do I ignore this and press on? Any advice would be appreciated. What are the rules here, KJ? Um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the move? Yeah, I, I, I understand the emotional take that, or the emotional side of it that it's the first guy in the group to get married, so it feels like it means a lot. Um, keep that perspective. Uh, in the sense of like, yes, there's going to be others, but also uh, my other question for this person would be, are you getting invited to the bachelor party or the bachelorette party or mm -hmm. uh, bachelor party? Obviously, I think. Um, and if so, then you're fine. You know, uh, I, I think that's, that's still 
the the threshold because when it comes to wedding party specifically, like it's not purely based on like who absolutely should be in the wedding party from a relationship standpoint. Some people take it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, it's how many siblings do I have or how many siblings does my significant other have? Uh, others, it's, you know, we want a certain headcount from a budgetary standpoint because of the space of the venue, whatever it may be. You may not even know that maybe the significant other has an opinion about you that isn't so positive and it's not the guy's, you know, personal decision. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the reason, I don't think there's anything gained from fighting to be in the wedding party. You know, it'd be different if you were close friends and not invited to the bachelor party, not invited to the wedding party, and then not invited to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, assuming it wasn't a destination situation or like a really, really small uh, ceremony, which just doesn't appear to be, you know, unless that ends up being the case, just thank yourself for not having to go out and overspend on a tux or a groom's gift or all of these other like traditional spins that you have to incur as a member of the wedding party. Totally agree. You'll be all right. Yeah, I think KJ hit the nail on the head with her. There are a lot of variables here that could be, it could very much be something other than um, him not wanting you or liking you. Like a lot of the times it's not the groom's decision, I'd say, on how many groomsmen uh, and or bridesmaids there are. I feel like the bride kind of gets her way on that. And you make do with the number. I'm sure there's obviously instances where that's not the case, but in my experience, that's sort of how it works. Um, so it could be a numbers thing. It could be, like KJ said, a, a budget thing. It could be, hey, we're just doing the best man and and siblings or something like that. So I wouldn't get too caught up in the wedding party part of this. I would if you're all of a sudden not invited to the bachelor party. And like KJ said, then you're not getting the wedding invite then maybe we have a little talk like, Hey man, I, you know, I I don't think one night should ruin years of friendship, nor should it ruin it going forward. Because you know, at that point you can't really come back from that. Like, Hey, we see each other all the time. I do your housewarming and, and I thought I was going to be in your wedding party. Now I'm not even getting the wedding invite. Maybe that's the time to have some sort of conversation. I might even recommend the angle of saying, you know, you can even address this from a positive standpoint. Like congratulate the person be like, Hey, could be happier for you. And we'll say Samantha, whatever this person's name could be. Mm -hmm. Um, Really looking forward to celebrating y'all. If there's anything I can do to help make the day great for y'all, let me know if you need an usher or you need help with getting anybody uh, together. Let me know how I can help. Sure. You know, take it positive. And you know, if you want to have the whole, Let's air out all our grievances conversation. Great. I think that's healthy from a long-term standpoint, but let's say you're less than 30 to 45 days out from the big day. Uh, Once you're in that radius, uh, all you can do is either say nothing or offer assistance uh, because I would say you're in violation of uh, just general good person code if you're trying to create any other stress within that 30 to 45 day window. Very much agreed. I'd say slow play it for now, um, and if things get worse down the line, that's when you can really, really go for that airing of grievances, but but slow play at this point. Uh, next one, KJ. Hey, Brett and KJ. Uh, I'm moving from Florida to West Texas next Monday to start a new job. 
leaving behind all my family and friends. I'm jumping into a new lifestyle and career that I'm not familiar with. I'm worried that I'll struggle with meeting new people. So KJ, with you moving to a new location that I did imagine you were previously unfamiliar with, any advice on getting myself out there and finding new people to be friends with? Like, what did you do? I will kind of draw my experience of moving from Dallas to Austin. While I did have some friends that were already there, um, I wasn't necessarily reliant on reliant on them because they all lived like in Lakeway or like none of them were very close. Sure. I was single and the rest of them were, you know, coupled up. Um, it sounds like it's pretty close to the move date, so you probably can't affect it too much. Uh, and then depending on where you're going in West Texas, the ability to uh, have similar experiences might be different. But both in where I live now and when I lived in Austin, those decisions were entirely based on eliminating one big variable that I think impacts any big move, the quality of like your domicile. Mm -hmm. I picked the housing place or the apartment complex that I mentioned earlier that Brett and I have lived in because it was like completing construction brand new when I moved in. And so I knew to the best of my ability, I would have no problems with the quality of like where I'm living. So I never have to worry about like, oh man, I'm coming home to a crappy place sure. from a quality standpoint. Now, you know, we did have some unfortunate like instance of people dying in that yeah. complex. But that's we had one day. of those too. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then when I moved where I live now, same story, new neighborhood, brand new, um, sub development and it played a huge role in one big thing beyond the quality of where I lived. All of my neighbors were also new. Oh, All of my, no, none of my neighbors had like this dug in claim to like, I'm the new person encroaching on their environment. Everyone's a little bit more open and looking to try to not identify, but like meet all of their neighbors and become more familiar with in, uh, Austin. It, you know, we, we jokingly called it tree university because it felt like we had moved into a dorm and we were all, you know, mid to young twenties, uh, really trying to dig into whatever our first big career move was after our first jobs. But you felt that level of camaraderie. I moved up to Madison in April, as I've talked about earlier, every, but not everybody, every other house on my block for the like first 10 houses, there are families with kids under three or under five. Um, who are in very similar situations. You know, you, if you have kids in high school, you're not probably not moving them at that point in time mm -hmm. or you know, messing up the school district that they're in. So there are a lot more younger families here um, than there otherwise would have been. So if you have the choice at any point in time when you're making a big move of where you're living, as long as it's within budget, because you don't want to move somewhere and be too like broke to try to explore the city. Sure. Sometimes yeah. that discomfort helps, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. But within your budget, find a place that is new because it will be a huge impact on not only your quality of experience at home, but your ability to meet everybody around you. Uh, if none of that's an option, find some uh, softball, intramural, flag football type things and mm -hmm. dive in. Yeah, that's, that's sort of, we, we do this question every now and then um, because I like to get fresh perspectives on it. And that's sort of, that's the go-to, you know, find something where similar people congregate, right? Softball or hockey leagues or uh, a certain bar that becomes your cheers bar, whatever it may be. That's the, that's the stock answer. Um, and whether you're in West Texas or West comma Texas, you'll have no problem finding that. Now, 
what I love about KJ's answer is it's, it's sort of, it's novel. It's, I don't think we've ever discussed that on here and I love it because it's, if you have the ability when, before you move to really research neighborhoods and, and where you live, I don't know, I don't know if you, if you sort of knew that, that subdivision was going to be early family friendly and, and just, it's amazing what a little bit of effort in the research side of things before you move somewhere can do in terms of putting yourself around people that are in similar situations. And I think that sort of breeds friends or companionship yeah. or, or commiseration. Maybe it's like if you're all CPAs or law school guys and living in two doors down from each other, like, Hey, we're in the same boat. Let's watch the game on Sunday. So yeah. I think, you know, a little bit of research can go a long way there. Yeah, I didn't know anything about the ages of the neighborhood. I mean, you you can look for signs. I mean, you see people with strollers, with bikes, but we didn't have the luxury of being able to, like, come up and, like, really drive around too much. I came up here in January with a GoPro uh, and did a similar, <laughs> a very similar trip in Austin with the family uh, and looking for places. Uh, and when it came down to this, it was more of, like, this is the place that worked. And it's not, it wasn't even on Google Maps, but going with that concept of, like, it's going to be new, so the quality of place is a check. Everybody around us is also going to be new. Like, I mean, it sounds stupid, but like I found my babysitter from Facebook marketplace, just like acquiring furniture and somebody else in the neighborhood was like moving in. Something didn't fit. We moved it to my place instead. And she's like, Oh, Hey, great. I'll watch your kids. Like little things like that happen when you're in an environment where everybody is also having a similar experience, even if they've just moved across the street, like they're doing the same shit. Mm -hmm. I would also say last thing on this is, is putting yourself out there, putting yourself in situations where you can create new interactions. And like we said, we mentioned leads and, and a bar and, and a friend, even if it's a friend of a friend, you know, people generally, uh, especially in Texas are sort of open to, Hey, you know, even if you get the one, the one date tryout or the one, you know, the one friend date tryout, you don't have to become best friends with these people. Uh, that you have lunch with. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just connecting networks and friend of a friend knows a friend of a friend who all of a sudden clicks and, and off you go. And it, it just kind of place. Uh, what was your pre-carve? What uh, was the place the, in, the, in the first floor? The Oak KJ. The Oak. So, Catch yeah, the fever. Exactly. The Oak. And, and literally met a lot of people at tree uh, at the Oak. Honestly. Mm-hmm. And because you'd go and I would do a little work there with a laptop or go there and watch Thursday night football instead of watching it in my apartment, which I lived by myself, I'd go watch it there. Made friends with the bartender, Savannah, who worked on Rainy. And then you go out and get a free drink there. And then made friends with my neighbor, Connor and Ryan. And they were 23 and 24 and I was 26. And all of a sudden we see each other at the pool and we have a couple of visies after. It's like, it, it, it really is amazing how quickly things can develop from a, from a networking and friend standpoint. Um, when you just kind of put yourself in the right situations and don't be afraid to tell your story, not to like continue to elaborate here, but I think mm -hmm. it's, it's, we, we talk so much. Like if you're on a diet, all you tell, all you do is you talk about your diet or you need gym or, or the show you're watching or whatever. But for some reason we sometimes could expand that to like, Oh, I'm going around telling everybody I just moved to town. Like screw that for the first like three months, I would just force that into conversation with anybody. Oh yeah. I'm, you know, family and I just moved up, whatever, just in small talk all around, because at some point you're going to find people. Oh, I've had neighbors be like, Oh, such and such also just moved from Texas down the street. Boom. Like yeah. share your story. It helps people like let their guard down. Cause now they know something about you. Boom. Learn about them. And 
You know, it's, it's a lot easier to make friends that way. Or to sell drugs. You make friends quick. <laughs> hey guys, nice to have two college athletes back on the pod. Wow. I just totally, totally similar mm-hmm. careers. Uh, I played baseball for three months. Power rank home <laughs> improvement projects, please, that I can theoretically accomplish by myself. I'm in the market. KJ, what are your favorite home improvement projects? Ones that I complete and require minimal trips to the department store. <laughs> um, prior to moving last year, or we sold our house in Dallas last year. Uh, and I want to say before that I had rebuilt a wet bar. Uh, I built a workshop in the garage. Um, uh, and then just random odds and ends. The thing that I feel best about is little things like uh, I'm in a rental place right now. It's a, it's a house. It's a new build. We're here for a couple of years, but still rental place. So in mm-hmm. the closet, um, you have wire shelves. You probably have these in apartments too. Okay. Um, like Rubbermaid wire racks as shelves. Yep. And it's a very simple thing. You can either get on Amazon and find covers like faux wood covers to cover those things because then it keeps your clothes from slipping through or shoes now can be sat on them. That's a tremendous option. Or as I did this weekend, we have a little laundry room that had one shelf about five feet tall on it. And that was it. And so I'm like, okay, this really isn't usable space for anything. Took that shelf out. I put a pantry rack in there right now. So it's going to be storage. But before that, I was like, okay, I could probably turn this into a mud room. And with that, all I had to do was like, get a bench, put some hooks on the wall. Um, so I would say my concise answer is find small projects that you don't have to build something from scratch or build a whole room, but find something that does not serve your purpose of what you want that space to be and make a little adjustments to make it better. I t- and then maybe you change it again. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, we, uh, Randy and I completed a project where he almost electrocuted myself. Uh, I took out a very, a very ugly apartment and by the way this is totally against my lease so you know you're breaking the law but you can fix it before you mill out exactly um i took out a very ugly dining room table lamp that sort of cut off the entire apartment and put uh put track lights in to kind of spotlight a mantle that i put on the wall and held up it holds up a picture in my my dining room right now uh it spotlights a bookshelf that i have some you know knickknacks and trinkets and you name it on and and I love it. And then it illuminates the, the dining room table itself. It looks really, really good. And I'm very proud of the way it turned out. Um, yeah. You're, mel- you're melting on the TV in front of me, and I'm not on shrooms. I don't know if Randy can see this too, but it, <laughs> I don't know if we're, yeah. we're equally melting. I, but we can, we can audio only this part of it. But I think you're totally right. There's, there's small things you can do that make yourself or make the space feel more productive. Um, like you mentioned, building a wet bar, even building a bar cart or building something to separate rooms that maybe, uh, you know, you're in an apartment, you don't have a ton of space. And it could be uh, a thing you do like behind a couch or a certain runner. This is more design and and whatnot. But I, I think there's there's little things you, like you mentioned, turning a, a laundry room into more of a mud room, putting together like I, I love uh, I have a bench now that I have by my entryway that sort of becomes like a shoe tying spot but it also serves as sort of mm-hmm. a shoe rack and then the coat rack is above so there's a little things you can do there then if i was going to do large things 
I love when you knock out a, uh, remember the 90s, 80s, 2000s construction? People love to to cut off the kitchen and living room and dining room by like walls. There's walls everywhere. Yep. Anytime I see a renovation project where they're cutting out, where they're cutting out walls to make bigger interior spaces, I'm like, I'm all for it. I want to do, I want to be that guy, <laughs> Ty Pennington. I was going to say Chad Pennington. I want to be Ty Pennington throwing sledgehammers through, uh, through uh, non load bearing walls and cutting them out. <laughs> I love that. Or putting, putting fireplaces in. Give me that in terms yeah, of Yeah, I'll opt out on the fireplace. What would you say is your least favorite, like, you know, my, I guess, home improvement project task would be caulking and or um, grouting. Like anything where it requires some level of precision to not F up the entire job. Yeah. Like you can lay tile and it look great. And then you go back and you're just covering it with grout. And you forget to wipe some or allow it to dry too quickly, or maybe you didn't space it correctly in one spot and you will see that imperfection for the rest of its existence. So grouting and um, caulking, those are my, like, I just don't have that precision dexterity. I can't do that well. For me, it's creating any sort of a landscape architecture item. I just, I can't stand when, you don't have the right number of of bricks to lay, or you're trying to put in a a ceramic element to the side of your driveway, or rocks. Like for me, I oh my god, my parents loved the idea of like river rock in our backyard, mm-hmm. and it turned out looking so sick when it was done. But I was the asshole with the wheelbarrow and putting these fucking ninety pound rocks in this thing, and just just. The manual lit and like the amount of times I pinched my stupid fucking fingers in the side of the wheelbarrow trying to drop the rock in uh-huh. and get my hands out before it, it absolutely shatters my pinky. Oh my God. It turned out really cool. But man, any sort of customizing mother nature to your liking with large rocks. <laughs> you, you know what? It wasn't meant to be that way. Let, I'm like, dad, let it be natural. Let's just have a lawn. No, no, no. We have to have a river fucking rock feature that that I'm in charge of somehow. Sorry, that is... Shout uh, out to Juliet Blue. Uh, (laughs) Got a landscape designer, I believe, or architecture. I don't know. She's got some sort of master's or doctorate in like landscape design or something crazy. Don't get me wrong. uh, They end up looking incredible. And you never have to mulch again. You never have to mulch again, (laughs) which... Did you ever grow up and, and, you know, they dump a like three or four cubic yards of mulch in your driveway on a tarp and then mom and dad would be like, all right, Brett, we'll see you in four hours. And I'm like, me uh, back to the fucking wheelbarrow that I just broke my, my index finger on mulching. And I never understood the purpose of mulch. I'm just like, there's, there's still mulch there. It looks the same as last year. Yeah. But it's now it's gotta be fresh. It's gotta be boom. And then that, that smell that sticks in your lungs and hands for the next week. <laughs> Can you tell I like, living, shower in, I like, I like living in a apartment for the time. Being. My shower thought I'll just, <laughs> I'll stay fired up. KJ. Um, I love it. I've had a couple weekends in a row wedding weekend. I've had bachelor party weekend. I'm going back to a wedding tomorrow. And I just want to talk about board and planes for a second. Just want to talk about board and planes. I now, forgot about this. I'm glad you came back to it. There's something to be said about oh, the 
like I, I, I actively lose faith in, in humanity because of what I see boarding planes. They call it gate lice. You know, it's just the mass chaos that kind of, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't like Southwest either. I don't, I still don't yeah, like that that's system. that's the worst. But the way that people just kind of crowd the gate, then I'm like, you're not an active military, sir. Or, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> and then you get on the plane first, or if you need help boarding, you may board now. And then like just, just 24 year old walks in and I'm like, you're going, you're, you have a Fordham sweatshirt on. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Boarding zone cabin six, like your boarding pass says the rules. There's no rules. Gate lights just absolutely crowd. And then like, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense boarding the plane front to back. It just doesn't make sense. Because you actively stop to put your luggage up there, and carry-ons are ridiculous these days. I I was the again I was trying to be the change I wish to see in the world. I was anti-carry-on bag that barely fits. I was like, no, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to have the the duffel bag for anything, and if and if it's bigger, I'll throw it in a big bag and check it. But no, I gave up. I actively gave up. I'm like, you know what? If you can't beat them, fucking join them and get an away luggage case non-spawn that doesn't fit. And I walked through the airport with my big-ass luggage case, inconveniencing everybody that walks by, inconveniencing the poor flight attendants that have to, to wiggle and jiggle my bag and barely make it fit. And it's just, and it's, just it's just sad, KJ, because I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know if boarding back to front works because you're still stopping. So I don't know if there's a – the fact that we don't have a solution for this, in this day and age, to board a plane correctly – Okay. Just, just two, why, why? I don't know. Two recommendations here yeah. that I think could solve this. One, I, I think we need to blame some on air, airline or not airline airport design. It of is course. infuriating um, that a lot of terminals outside of like D at DFW, um, which is oddly specific. I know, but, <laughs> a lot of terminals have the layout where you've got just a straight corridor and gates only on one side or like ORD they're on both sides, but they will be double stacked. Mm -hmm. And then the boarding area is always in a congested space. I get it. You know, you're, you're designing for the airplanes and the runways, not so much for the experience inside, but what it, in, what it causes is if you've got 150 people, there's no order that people could like, if everyone agreed Southwest style to single file line up and they absolutely all did it, like you would be filling up the entire terminal waiting in line. Mm -hmm. So like that doesn't even make sense. Even if you went in like completely synchronized in one line, my recommendation would be if um, whenever I'm checking in, I wouldn't be opposed to opting in or uh, having an airline say, Hey, we've got a couple more questions when you check in. Such as airlines know if you're traveling with a child, um, maybe they throw in an, an uh, optional, how many uh, carry-ons do you anticipate having or personal items? Mm -hmm. Maybe they throw in a, uh, would you need, you know, all the questions they throw out at the gate. Are you active military? Do you anticipate needing additional assistance? And your boarding pass might say three o'clock. My boarding pass might say oh, three o'clock. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, Group C's might say 307. I and like that. not only do I know, like, yes, group numbers are there, but 
mind, mental time of arrival, whatever mental uh, game I want to play, like I'm not even supposed to be there for another five minutes. I like, that. and they can't leave without me if they're done boarding at three Oh five, but my board time is three ten. Yes. That's going to be an inconvenience, but if I'm there, great. If I'm not, you know, it cuts both ways, but everyone's boarding arrival time could be staggered. Even if only by a couple minutes, um, based on some of those things, your group and any of those additional preferences. So I like it. Here's, that'd be my solve. Here's my solve. One of two, one, which one would never happen. You board by individual seat. So it's like, okay, row, row 18, you're up next because you know, you can create the flow correctly, not just zones, literal rows won't happen. Number yeah. two, when you get to the gate, just, you know, dead time you like to get there a couple hours early or an hour early and your plane is there that your bags if you have carry-ons can be stowed by airport personnel ahead of boarding you know okay. what I mean? so you can basically yeah, 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 yeah. it's you it's sort of like gate checking your bag but instead of going to the the cargo belly of the plane somebody is actively saying okay your seat or row 18 I will store your carry-on maybe while the crew is cleaning or the pilots are kind of setting their flight plan up. Your bag can be pre-boarded. And then you I wonder you are not responsible for stowing it yourself when you get on the plane. You can check to make sure it's there, but you don't have the act of stopping in the aisle. You can kind of just get in, get out, and be tactical. I love that idea. Uh and and I think I I'm so I'm going to try to say this without sounding too haughty. So Icelandic air flying out of Keflavik in Iceland. Reykjavik, no, keep, keep name dropping Icelandic. I love it. Yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like what would be the most like known one, but out of their airport, out of Keflavik, I recall seeing luggage like lined up at the gate to board the plane. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it was just that you don't have a gate or not a gate, but uh, there wasn't a ticket checked luggage space. Like that all occurred at the gate. Something happened where luggage was all lined up and they were taking it onto the plane. But I think it's no different than uh, they set up that Southwest Tower situation. You know, maybe put a little divider so people can have, you know, visibility of their bag while it's right there and we're waiting on everything to happen. You can, I can see my bag. Nobody's over there messing with it but it's lined up by my space, just like a Southwest airline lineup thing is because while that's good in theory for Southwest, we all know those fucking stanchions are too close together. Way too close. <laughs> Way too close together. So I like it. I think tremendous I think, idea. I think we put some good solves out there. Uh, before we get out, KJ, do you have any shower thoughts? I, I, I think we'll just stick with uh, the travel recommendations. Uh, we just solved, you know, half of the holiday headaches that people are going to have if, if airlines would just listen to us. So, you know, Delta American, I'll let your boy. The last thing will be, uh, what am I going to bring to Friendsgiving? That'll do it for the Mail-In Podcast, KJ. Are you excited for fall in Wisconsin? I am elated. Uh, We talked a little bit about uh, apple cider donut season in the uh, group text. And I have no shame about saying, yeah, I'm all in on trying that. I've never had it. Um, I got like a spam email from like Carter's. Your boy's going to go overboard on uh, six month old and Halloween costumes and mm-hmm. two year old and Halloween costume. So I'm, I'm diving in uh, to the fall season uh, because I will embrace it because um, I know what's lying ahead. There you Enjoy go. It's coming. 
Please subscribe to the Mail-In Podcast, rate five stars, review, and tell a friend about it. Hit the hotline number 888-362-MAIL. That's 888-362-6245. Or you can run in at the link in the Twitter bio at Mail-In Podcast. KJ, where can the folks find you and your content? At KJ Ellis. You can find me on Twitter uh, or Instagram. That's with ones as the L's. More importantly, how about you do this? You slide on over to youtube.com slash too much dip, like, subscribe, do whatever the hell you need to do uh, to make sure you are in front of your YouTubes around 6.30 Central tomorrow night. That is Thursday night and every Thursday ahead of uh, Thursday night football this football season because too much dip is back with their live streams, dip picks, guests when we have them, bullshit when we don't. Uh, and all around good times. More importantly, stay in the chat because you will meet other dippers, backers, whatever. Love it. I will be tuning in from New York City where I will be doing my fantasy draft. Can't wait. Bad ass. We'll see you guys next week uh, with another guest as Sally will be out again next week. And uh, TBD on that. But I'll let you know and then we can get our questions in and uh, have some fun again. KJ, thank you very much for hopping on. Randy, thank you on the ones and twos. And we'll see y'all next episode. Bye.